Welcome to Money and Taxes from BB to XYZ. I'm Regina Neenan, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Jason Spessner, Certified Financial Planner and Enrolled Agent. On today's episode, we are here to talk about life insurance. And uh, Jason, I know we talk a lot about term life insurance in our firm, but there are some other types. Do you want to give us a quick intro? Yeah, life insurance goes way beyond just term life insurance, which if you're familiar with is the idea that you pay a premium for a certain period of time and you have a death benefit for a certain period of time. But there are also policies that are called permanent insurance, which are also pretty uh, big out there. And that might be whole life, uh, universal life, indexed universal life, variable universal life, the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, lots of different flavors of life insurance, lots of different uses for something like a life insurance policy. Yeah. So if you're thinking about getting a life insurance policy, you not only have to choose the type of life insurance you want, but the amount. And you want to make sure that those work in tandem to achieve whatever goal you're working toward, whatever you're going to use the life insurance for. Figuring out that amount, that gets fairly sort of in the weeds. I guess tell tell me a little bit more, Regina. How, how do we figure out how much life insurance someone needs? So I really hate the name for one of these ways. It's called human life value. Like, let's put your life down in terms of numbers. Really not a fun way to uh, to look at life insurance, but it basically looks at the amount of money that you would make if you were to work from now until your expected retirement date. You take away the things that you would be spending money on to keep you living and keep you hopefully enjoying life. Like if you passed away tomorrow, you wouldn't be paying for groceries or going on vacation. You wouldn't need a new car, things like that. So you subtract that from the amount of money that you would make over the rest of your working lifetime and basically boil it down to the amount of insurance you should get. So really not a fun way to look at it. Other ways to choose an amount of life insurance to obtain are you know maybe just talking with your significant other saying, hey, if I passed away tomorrow, what would you need to transition to life without me and to take care of my funeral costs, maybe my medical costs at the end of life if I had a medical emergency? Just have that conversation. Speak to someone to better understand what others in your life would need to be able to process and move on after your death. So that sounds like a tough conversation to have. What, what do you think could make that conversation easier? Do you think maybe the support of, for example, like a, a financial planner could, could help with something like that? Well, of course, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely having a third party there as not just an intermediary, but someone who has dealt with this before to kind of ask the right questions. Because part of that conversation could include, hey, would you want to be able to pay off the mortgage if I passed away? Or would you want to continue paying for that so that we can save some dollars on a life insurance premium now? But yeah, other pieces of that conversation can include if you have children, maybe you'd want to include enough to pay for a child's education. So there isn't just really a you know, a hard and fast trick to saying, oh, you need X dollar amount of life insurance. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I noticed one of the things you tied into the human life value calculation centered around retirement. So let's maybe talk a little bit about that because I think that gets into our, our first group, our baby boomers, as far as their life insurance needs and this idea of retirement. So tell us a little bit more about where that 
intersects between life insurance need and your retirement date. Oh yeah. Great point. Because when you get closer to retirement, maybe you have some more assets that you can rely on. Maybe you've got some money in the bank account. You've got investment accounts, retirement funds. Your house might be paid off at this point or getting close and maybe you don't need life insurance anymore. Maybe the kids have already gone to college and you're still sitting on a $500,000 policy, maybe a million dollars in your life insurance. And you're thinking, I'm paying premiums for this, but do I really need it? And the answer might be no, because you may be at this point where you don't need to pay someone else to insure your life because you can take care of it yourself. You can self-insure and uh, you would use your assets to maybe provide for a spouse after you pass or uh, to take care of other family members, maybe leave a legacy. And you don't need to be paying an insurance company to have that policy in your name. Now, maybe it's blunt. I like to think of this as what's good enough for two is going to be great for one as far as resources that you have available. But that is often the case that we find that once you've hit a certain point in your financial life, you don't have as many obligations. You don't have as much of a need for supplemental assets. You've done effectively what we like to call self-insure yourself. And so especially as you're older, the need for life insurance sort of declines with your age. Now, with that in mind, there are some circumstances, right, where an older person, right, a baby boomer and, and somebody who maybe potentially isn't looking about income replacement or, or debt repayment for their life insurance need, but maybe they're looking at some estate planning issues and maybe they're looking to provide their heirs with some liquidity. For example, if they have a hard to sell asset like real estate or so on, they need to have some insurance there to make sure that whatever their estate plan looks like, it can be done in the way that doesn't cause the beneficiary to go and some kind of fire sale, some property or something like that. And so that's oftentimes where those permanent policies we talked about earlier, where they can fit a, a really good role as far as your life insurance plan. Yeah. A huge part of that too is that if you have a term policy and that term ends before you end, you're not going to have that life insurance when you pass. Um, so having a permanent type policy is something that will for sure be there. Yeah. Something that you can more thoroughly rely on. And I think I just wanted to add on the term policy, you also have this idea that you can continue a term policy beyond that initial term, just get ready to pay some really significant premiums. I've seen it done before when there are certain circumstances where it just makes sense for terminal illness or some other reason, but oftentimes you're paying significant, significant premiums beyond that initial term. Yeah. And you should also know if you're thinking about a permanent policy, those premiums are going to be much higher because it is permanent. You're paying for that permanence through your premiums as opposed to a term policy. It, it has an expiration date. It has an end date. So those premiums are are more likely going to be much lower. So thinking about as we get younger in the generations, we come to generation X and we're looking at the scenario where it's pre-retirement phase. We're probably in our highest earning years as far as income goes. And it's very likely, especially if you're an employee, that you're going to have some life insurance through work. Maybe you will have a term policy. But where do those needs sort of fall for somebody who's close to, but not exactly at retirement as far as what their life insurance would look like? Well, if someone is getting maybe close to retirement and they have a policy through their employer, 
a lot of times those policies are going to end when you hit retirement and maybe you want coverage to last a little bit longer. Maybe you bought that second home and you'd want that to be able to be paid off um, if you were to pass, either to maybe pass down to a family member or for your spouse to continue enjoying because it's something that you enjoyed together. Consider whether that group policy through your employer is going to come to an end and whether you want those extra years of coverage. Yeah, I, I think about, especially when we, when we talk about term policies, just the idea that you're probably getting towards the end of a term. If you have a group policy through work and you're nearing retirement and you're wondering if you need to carry that coverage forward, a lot of it comes into kind of continuity almost, right? Continuity planning around your life insurance. And that's really, I think, where, where the inflection point is as far as what sort of decision needs to be made about how much insurance you're going to carry into retirement or whether or not it's it's time to sort of let go of some of the premiums that, that are associated with life insurance. One of the other things I notice sometimes is that as as you age and you get closer to a retirement age in your in your 50s and 60s and so on or a more traditional retirement age, you may find that sometimes a group policy, I, I don't know, I, I've seen some examples where group policies aren't necessarily the best premium bank for your buck. And so there's some some evaluation to be done there as well. Certainly the younger you are, that, that can almost surely be the case. But even now it's it seems like you can find some premium value in, in insuring individually or you know, not with your group plan through through work. Right. A lot of times going with a group plan is going to be less pricey, but not always. So it's always nice to be able to, you know, get a quote, see what it looks like. And as you alluded to, the younger you are, the less expensive life insurance is going to be because of course, as we get older, we get closer to our death date whenever that is. So waiting until retirement and finding out, oh no, my group policy is going to end, but I still want to have insurance. Let's quote it now. If you are retiring, closer to that traditional retirement age, it's going to be pricier. So definitely something to be looking at today. Why not? You know? Sure. And and even for our millennials, I, I've heard this term used before. And so if you're in your 30s and 40s and you are on the fence about an amount of insurance, maybe in consideration of some future income, there's something going on where you feel like maybe you will need more insurance in the future. One of these terms or ideas I've heard is something called insuring your insurability. And it just simply means that you are taking maybe a little bit more insurance than you actually need simply to make sure that while you're healthy, while you're young and and you're fit and all the things that go into the cost of your policy are good, you get the best benefit. You get the best bang for your buck there. And so I think for our millennial listeners who are starting to think about some significant changes to their financial lives with kids growing and getting into education funding needs, you got your mortgage that's still potentially there and, and something that needs to get paid off, your highest earning years, you're starting to enter them, but they're still ahead of you. And you're really thinking about like, what are the future needs? That's where you really got to push out and say, you know, maybe the amount of dollars that I would look at today as a good life insurance goal, you know, maybe it's, it's quite a bit higher when I start to factor in some of those, those future things. And you can also look at it the other way. Maybe today you have a mortgage and you have younger kids and you think, Hey, I'm going to need some life insurance here to, to cover this because I'd want my significant other to have something to rely on if I were to pass at a young age. So you get a bunch of life insurance today, but then you're thinking, hey, in 25 years, my mortgage is going to be paid off. My kids are already going to have graduated school, but I'm still going to want to have some coverage. It might make sense to have multiple policies. So you have maybe 20 years of a million dollars. And then as you start to build up your assets and you pay down that mortgage and you pay for school for the kids later down the road, you don't need as much. So you maybe stack a couple policies. You have that 20 year, maybe $500,000 policy and then another one, but that one lasts for 30 years. So when 
the first one drops off after that 20 year term is up, you still got some coverage, but not as much because you didn't need as much. That's a great point, right? Using a life insurance ladder, if you would, to give yourself the appropriate amount of coverage early, mid and late sort of need cycle, I suppose, right? That makes a whole lot of sense. And again, the younger you are, the more likely you are to get favorable rates just based on a lot of factors, but it gives you that ability to again, go and ensure your insurability, which brings us to then our Gen Z folks who, if you think about it, like it's very possible there isn't a lot of insurable need there quite yet. I mean, when you think about the things you're buying life insurance for, if you're Gen Z, maybe you haven't hit that phase in your financial life as far as wanting to protect against a mortgage obligation or protect some income for your family and so on because you haven't grown your family to that point. But how do you factor in, again, the thing we talked about with our millennial listeners as far as ensuring insurability and making a good decision if you're younger and you're in Gen Z right now? Maybe just picking up a a small policy that allows you to change it later on could be an opportunity just to make sure you've got some coverage in place. And then, hey, if you decide that you'd like to start a family, that you'd like to get married at some point, you can change the amount of that life insurance policy and uh, increase it without having to go through the whole life insurance underwriting again, without having to apply, without having to jump through all those hoops. Because, you know, I'm applying for life insurance right now and it's not that much fun. I've been dragging my feet on it because there's a lot of stuff to do. (laughs) You have to fill out a questionnaire, actually apply for the life insurance. I, I think I've answered like three different questionnaires so far. You might have to do an exam to ensure that you are insurable to begin with. So having, you know, maybe a small dollar amount policy in place that you can later change and increase the value of, just you can avoid that stuff because your health might change and you might not be as insurable as you are now. You may find that later on after, you know, some things happen with our health as they normally do when we age. It's not as easy to get life insurance. It's not as inexpensive to get life insurance. So maybe get started today. Just have something there that you can A, rely on in the meantime, and then B, maybe change as as life goes on. So something like a, I I think the jargony term for this is like a future purchase increase where you have this ability to maintain your underwriting class. I think you can also convert these policies as well. So maybe you start with a 10-year term and you make it a a permanent policy, right? Absolutely. And another thing that I just want to bring up while we're talking about Gen Z and even, you know, millennials like me who aren't married, don't have kids, don't have a mortgage. Think about do you need insurance at all? Or maybe if your employer offers, you know, maybe $50,000 in life insurance free of cost to you, maybe that's enough. Maybe 50K is great for giving to your significant other if you were to pass to give them some transition time to adjust to life without you. And you don't need any kind of a policy outside of that. But again, just keep in mind that if you change employers, your next employer might not offer that. So you might just want to look into having a little something now that once again, you can change in the future. Kind of cool tax tangent here. That $50,000 amount is the amount of life insurance your employer can give you without charging you for imputed income and having you pay tax on the premiums that are being paid for that policy. So that's a pretty common amount of life insurance that you'll see out there is that $50,000 policy, which I think you make an excellent point. Maybe that is all the need that exists for you. I mean, maybe that's too much. It's generally prudent and make sure that from an overall financial standpoint that you have dollars available in your estate cover financial expenses, medical bills, and so on. 
Maybe you've already self-insured that amount as well, especially if you don't have heirs or beneficiaries to pass dollars down to. Your self-insured reserve will kind of cover those costs. And I know as we talk about these things, this is one of the tough parts of the life insurance conversation is the need for it and why it exists and, and the fact that death is involved. So it's it's always an uncomfortable thing to address and deal with. And, and so it, it can sometimes be helpful, I think, to work with a professional who has specifically your interests in mind, putting themselves between you and the insurance agent or the insurance company. And Regina, I know that's a lot of what you do in our insurance planning consultation. So maybe tell everyone a little bit more about our insurance planning consultation or just how that process looks when you're shopping for life insurance and what you should be considering. So when I sit down with someone to do a life insurance consultation specifically, I first go into their numbers. I look at saying, hey, you have this much in debt, so I would like you to have at least this much insurance so you're not leaving your spouse, significant other family members with debt if you were to pass away. So get at least this much insurance so you can take care of that if you were to pass at a young age. And then beyond that, I kind of fill out the range to the upper end looking at, okay, so say that you passed away tomorrow. Yes, pay off your debts, get rid of that mortgage, leave enough for your kids to attend school. Maybe you have a charitable inclination and you want to leave a certain dollar amount to a charity when you pass away. Add that to the upper end of the range here. And then also include dollars that you would make during the rest of your life so that your partner can live comfortably when they ultimately retire, whether or not they were to find another spouse after you. And yeah, this gets really, really tough to talk about, especially with couples knowing that, hey, we could die. One of us could pass away. That's tough. Nobody likes to face their life like that and the possibility of death, but it's really important just to have someone to talk this through with so that you can discuss the things that could happen because I know when I'm thinking about this myself, I don't like to think about a future where my partner doesn't have me to rely on. Um, but having someone else just to kind of talk you through and better understand what that life could be like is hugely important. So yeah, I start with kind of that lower end of the range, go up to the high end, and then it's it's a lot of talking. It's deciding what's right for you, what's right for your family. Now you get those parameters, you get a good idea of what sort of insurance somebody should have or needs, and then it's time to get the quotes. And there's hundreds of life insurance companies, right? And there's all sorts of pitches and all sorts of different things that are out there as far as like what could come back from this investigative process of determining what your cost is going to be. So, so tell me a little bit more about how you sort through that and, and deal with that sort of influx of financial information. Yeah. So if you're buying life insurance, you're going to be paying premiums. You're going to pay for that insurance. And you want to work with an insurance company that's going to be able to come through on their end end of the bargain here. When you pass away, you want the insurance company to actually pay the death benefit that you have been paying the premiums for, for all these years. So you want to make sure that whatever company you go with is trustworthy. The other big part of buying insurance is, yeah, you're going to be paying for those premiums. So you have to make sure it's going to fit into your cash flow plan, that you can afford those premiums for the coverage that you want or that you need. And you know, while I'm at it here, the other big piece of this, and Jason, something that you mentioned earlier, is the beneficiaries. You want to make sure that this also aligns with your estate plan. So this is really where um, huge pieces of your financial planning converge. And you really want to make sure that they all fit together in the way that's going to best benefit you. Hey, that's that's fair enough. And and to have somebody 
focused on and thinking about that and looking through those numbers, who's done it dozens of times before. That's one of the things that I really am happy with as far as our insurance planning consultation and our process for reviewing this is you've seen this over and over again, and you have this very objective viewpoint that is also focused on right our clients. I mean, it's just too often that insurance, because they are so complicated, because the policies can go just all over the place, that maybe the product and need fit isn't quite there, but maybe there's somebody who's has, you know, incentivized to sell uh, a certain product and you wind up with some insurance that, that maybe just isn't a good fit for you. So I think it's an excellent thing to make sure that you have somebody to really help you in a consultative way, in a best interest and fiduciary way, evaluate those options. If it's not very clear cut sort of what you need and, and how you need to go about getting it. So I think, right, it's a good idea to maybe dive into our takeaways. And, and I'll start with the first takeaway for, for me, at least today, is that this is something that not everyone is going to need. Life insurance is not a foregone conclusion as far as our need set. It's certainly something that should be considered, but it's not something for everyone. And that's usually at the barbell of the generational spectrum. As you're younger you are and the older you are, it's very likely you don't need a whole heck of a lot of life insurance. Right. And if you do need it, there's not an easy rule for how much you need. So work with someone who can really sit down and talk to you about what that life insurance could be used for so you can dial in the amount that's right for you. And you touched on it and I know I had to deal with it not all that long ago, but getting life insurance is seriously not the easiest thing out there, right? You go through a bit of Q&A over and over again. You're answering the same questions. And so, yeah, I, we get it. And everyone sells the idea of it being so simple and straightforward and this and that. And this is why it's better to, to buy this policy or that. But to get good, effectively priced life insurance, you're going to have to go through some Q&A. You're going to have to go through some exams. And so it can be a struggle to get, but having it could be very necessary. And so it's definitely worth the effort to do so. Absolutely. Now, if you have some feedback for us for this episode, or if you have another idea that you'd like us to talk about in a future episode, let us know. Reach out to us at podcast at fpfoco.com. You'll also find that email in the show notes. All right. Well, until next time, Hopefully you find that your life insurance plan falls into place. And if you have any questions, of course, you can reach out. And otherwise, we'll talk to you soon. Jason Spessner and Regina Neenan are investment advisor representatives of Financial Planning Fort Collins, a registered investment advisor. The information in this podcast is provided for general educational and entertainment purposes only. It may not apply to you or your specific circumstances and should not be considered financial, investment, or tax advice.